Well, welcome to all of you this morning, and so good for you to be joining us uh, today. And, and uh, if you're new here today, we are week seven, I think, in this series, the Connected series, as we've been going through our mission, our, our vision, our values as a church. And uh, we're really focused on kind of the topic of evangelism right now. So if you're new or newer, I'm going to kind of catch you up on how we, how we got here. And I'm at, I think we're at the point we can start going through this a little bit more quickly, because I think we're, we're all um, getting, the, getting the picture here. Uh, but when we look at this, we are a place to connect. Really, what we mean by that is that we're a church that's built on relationships. That's the most important part and the most important pursuit of us as a church. And with that, and our mission is three kinds of relationships. So it's a relationship with God as we connect with him our relationship with one another as, with, as believers as we connect with each other, and then our relationship with those who don't know God as we connect others with God. And that's that cyclical mission that keeps going until every person in the world knows God. And that should be our goal, right? That's, that's God's hope is that everyone would come to know him, and that's where we have that part in it. And it's fueled by our values, uh, which you see listed there. We won't go over them today. But uh, the last two values, we see our local outreach and global missions, which we're kind of combining over the next few weeks in the topic of evangelism. In other words, telling people about Jesus. And that's what we want to be about as a church, is that we have this passion and this desire to engage others in a relationship with God through Jesus. So with that, we've had some goals we've been going through. And the first one is kind of a personal challenge that... We want every person to give 10 minutes a day to God in Bible study and prayer, however you do that, and this is kind of at least 10 minutes. And if you can do that for a number of weeks in a row, you're going to develop this habit that's going to change your life. So I've been hearing from some who, are, who have taken this challenge personally, they've been doing it, and they're noticing just a huge difference in just their spiritual growth through this. Uh, second is just building those relationships with one another that you get plugged in in, in ways and Bible studies and small groups. We call them connections groups, and we'd have a number of you uh, doing that and building those relationships. But the third, the big goal that we're really going to be working towards this year and tracking throughout the year is the goal to reach 200 people with the good news of Jesus and sharing, sharing Jesus with those who need to hear the gospel and this, this goal is simply just sharing the gospel. You know, we, we trust in God for him to plant those seeds and make those seeds grow and, and have that moment where they become a follower of Jesus. But our job is simply just to share. And it should be something we do with such joy, and it's almost this effortless thing about our lives that no matter where we go and what opportunities we have, we take advantage of them and we share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with that. So 200 is our goal, which means that, roughly speaking, everyone who comes to our church regularly needs to share Jesus with one other person this year. And that's where we've been challenging you to really think about that. Now, we have a way for you to kind of share that with us, and the only way we're going to know that we meet this goal is if you share it with us. And so this isn't to receive any kind of glory. It's not to applaud ourselves. It's simply so we know if we're on track to meet the goal or not. So we created an incredibly simple submission form for you online. If you want to do it that way, you can go to our website slash reach 200. And the question is, did you share the good news of Jesus with someone? And you say, yes, you can do just that much and submit that. You can also share your name and your story and, and all that as well. We also have a, um, a paper submission for you out in our foyer if you'd like to do it that way. Or simply just talk to me or any of the other staff or elders 
Um, just this morning, in fact, uh, as the first worship song was going, I heard a great story from one of you about how they shared Jesus with someone early in the year, and it's, it just led to a salvation, and, and there's this excitement, and, and uh, I want us to share that joy with one another. So we're going to have this slide we're going to be tracking throughout the year. Um, as of today, confirmed, we know that four people have, uh, that we have shared the gospel with four others this year. And that's actually more after I just heard this morning that story. Uh, but this is either through people submitting the form or people talking with me. Uh, but if you have that moment, I want you to share it. Because when you look at this, this is exciting, right? That the, the 200 goal was just kind of an arbitrary number we picked. Uh, because the real goal is that we'd share Jesus with everyone in the whole world. Right, that's the real goal, but we're, we're making this manageable 200. And right now, uh, you see a lot of people who haven't uh, ha- had the gospel shared with them 196. And so, we want to celebrate what's there, but this also gives us the picture of kind of the, the work that's left from all of us. So, I want you to think about it this way one of those uh, blue people on the screen is one of those left for our goal. Uh, you know that person. And I think you know who that person is in your life. You know someone that needs to hear the good news of Jesus. And so now you need to start preparing yourself uh, for that opportunity, that moment, moment to share Jesus with them. Because at the end of the year, uh, I, I want to see this thing full. In fact, I want to say, we, we met 200 by uh, July. Let's go to 400. Let's go to 600. Right? That's, that's our goal as a church, is that we, this just becomes a part of who we are. So... We want to keep going with this. We want to celebrate that four people heard uh, the gospel of Jesus in their life, and now we're praying that God would would really make those seeds grow into salvation. But today we're going to get back into that topic of evangelism. Again, this is one of those areas that scares people, and it's hard, and it's one of those things where if we're all honest, we've had these swings and misses in our lives where it's just like teed up perfectly for us to just kind of crank, you know, crank it out of the park and share Jesus with a person in a moment, and we chickened out. Or we just kind of stumbled through it, and we, we didn't know what to say. Or there's that moment you look back and that, I wish I would have shared my faith with them. And so this week and next week, we're really going to work on the topic of being ready, being prepared to share the gospel. Because uh, last week is simply, you know, wherever you're at, that's, that's what you need to know to share Jesus. Everyone can share Jesus right now, but there's a lot of benefit to being prepared, both mentally and spiritually. And this week, we're going to kind of talk about our mental preparedness to share the gospel. But I want to ask you, have you ever been in a situation in life where you have felt just completely underprepared and caught off guard and you're kind of put in this compromised position that maybe you have to give an answer for something or you need to do a specific thing that you have no idea what you're doing and people are kind of watching you and noticing. It's extremely awkward. And I've been there many times in my life where you kind of realize I, I could have been more prepared for this. And I've, I've, I have two recurring dreams in my life in this area. They're more nightmares than dreams. And maybe you can kind of identify with this. But one is that uh, I'm dreaming that I'm back in high school or back in college, and it's kind of nearing the end of the semester, and I realize I've been enrolled in this class this whole time that I forgot to go to. (laughs) And it's like I went a couple times the first week, and then I just completely forgot about it, and it's like it's finals time, and I realize there's this math class I've just totally been skipping all semester, and I, I just forgot about it. 
So the, the class I remember to go to is like the final. And I'm sitting down at my desk, and they, they, they give me the finals. Like, I don't know any of this stuff. And I stumble through it. And it's just like anxiety feeling, this dream that I have every now and then. I wake up like in a cold sweat. Another one I have is that um, I'm in a play or a musical, and I don't know it, but it's opening night. And there's like, Dominic, you're here. And they push me out on the stage. And I have to figure out the play as I'm going along and try my best to sing the songs I don't know. And it's awkward. It's anxiety-filling. But I think we fear evangelism because we view it the same way. We are terrified that they're going to ask us a question that we don't know the answer to. And that that we're going to fail in that way and we'll be exposed. But that's the importance of always being ready. And that's the first verse we're going to look at today in 1 Peter 3.15. And this is uh, really in context of the Apostle Peter talking about you know, the, the fact that life is not going to be easy as a Christian and that there's going to be a lot of suffering you may encounter for doing good. But as you revere Jesus in your life, and, you, and it's known that you are a follower of Jesus, people are going to take notice of that. And they're going to look at you for answers. And so he writes this in 1 Peter 3.15. It starts with, uh, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So what this is saying is, be ready. Be mentally prepared to kind of articulate what you believe and why you believe it. And with this, as a, as a Christian, when we talk about evangelism and, and sharing Jesus with people around you, there's three important things that we have to identify in this verse. First is that people are going to watch you. Okay, People are taking note of how you live life. And when, when you really exemplify Jesus in your life, people are going to say, like, why, why is that person always hopeful? Why are they always joyful? Why do they live with this sense of peace and kind of that they always put together and they always seem to have encouraging answers and there's something different about them. And so people will naturally gravitate towards you. Non-believers will naturally gravitate towards you as you revere Christ in your life. And maybe you've kind of noticed that over the years. It's like, boy, whenever my friends have their lives fall apart, they always call me. And why, why is that? It's because you're being watched. And they see the evidence of, of, of Jesus in your life, and they're seeing something there that they don't have. So just by nature of being a believer, when you revere Christ in your life, you're going to kind of be like a bug zapper, right? You're going to draw people in, and then they're going to ask you about it. So you're being watched, the second part of this verse is that you're being listened to. This is that, that last part of it. So like, however they ask you, whatever they ask you, answer in a sense of gentleness and respect. And so how you share the gospel with people, how you share your faith, really matters. And you have to share in this productive way. And if you come across as just abrasive and harsh and you, and you just want to kind of nail the argument before it happens, you, you're, you're going to lose that. Because evangelism is not a war with people. Okay, It's a war for people. 
And you have to build those relationships through gentleness and respect. So you're being watched. You're being listened to. Whatever you say, they're going to hear it. And the third part is kind of out of order here, but you will be asked. You will be asked about your faith. And this is where we have to understand up front that you will not know everything about your faith. You will not know everything about the gospel. In fact, the Bible says that the depths of God's love are unfathomable or unknowable. We will never truly understand how much God loves us and what he did for us on the cross. We'll never have this perfect strategy to always say the right thing at the right time to kind of trigger this response of accepting Jesus in salvation. This isn't like a strategy thing. It's not a debate that we have to prepare for. But wherever you're at in your your faith, you should know the answer to life's most uh, most important question. You should know how to answer the question, how do I go to heaven? How do I know Jesus? How do I have faith in him? How to become his disciple? You should be able to answer that. And for every Christian, I, impar- I, I encourage you to be prepared for that moment. Because it might come in, in, in a time you don't expect. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. And sometimes it's, it's sprung on us in a way where we might botch the whole thing, but we get there anyway. And uh, that's where like the methods and the strategies sometimes don't matter. You're still going to be asked. And, and I say that because I read the story this last week. Um, Tom Rayner is someone I had referenced a couple of weeks ago. I really like reading his stuff because he's quick and to the point, and it's kind of easy to read. But he also has this just wealth of experience in all areas of the church. He has a book I'm reading through right now called Sharing the Gospel with Ease. And so far, everything I read, I would recommend it to all of you. You could easily read it in a couple of nights or in in a week if you go at a slower pace. Sharing the Gospel with Ease. And he, he talks about when he was a new Christian, and he was really kind of understanding everything about his faith and having this desire to share Jesus with everyone around him. And he's in this small group uh, at his church, and, and there's this new person named Jim that comes in. Kind of rough around the edges, clearly has a past, but is seeking something, but he doesn't quite have Jesus in his life yet. And he realized, I need to share the gospel with Jim. This is now a pretty new believer, Tom, saying he needs to share the gospel with Jim. So he goes to his pastor and says, how do I do this? And the pastor must have been busy, so he just puts like a textbook on his desk and says, read this first, and then you'll know what to do. And he's like, I I can't read all of that. So he just felt like this urging the Holy Spirit to get together with Jim. And so he asked Jim if he can go over to his house for dinner, and he, he meets, and he's nervous, and he doesn't know what to do. He's no, he knows he's not prepared for this. And he knocks on the door, and Jim answers. And just out of this sheer nervousness, he says, Jim, you're going to hell. <laughs> now, not a method or a strategy I would suggest to any of you. But in this case, Jim responded back, to Tom and said, well, then you better tell me how to get to heaven. And there's this moment that he shared the gospel and what the response to the gospel would be. And, there, and then uh, Jim came to know Jesus that night. Someone asks you in whatever method, whatever strategy you get there, how do I go to heaven? Would you be able to tell them the answer? And that's what we're going to go through uh, today. 
There's a lot of uh, acronyms and, and help that you can kind of use to do this. Last week, as we interviewed uh, Charlie, uh, this is one that's, that uh, I've seen in other places, but it's just gospel as an acronym. This is really telling the full story of what God did for you and his call uh, towards everyone, towards repentance. But yeah, G, God created us to be with him. Our sins separate us from God. And our sins can't be removed by ourselves. Essentially, we have a problem we can't solve. But God solved it for us through his son Jesus as he paid the price for our sin. Everyone who just puts faith in Jesus and repents will have eternal life. And that life starts now and continues into heaven. So this is a great acronym to kind of um, memorize of what the gospel is. So if you want to take a picture of that with your phone or just view it on, on live stream later, uh, to, to look at that, or just email me. I'll email this back to you. It's a great little tool to use. But we're going to focus this morning on kind of the ABCs of how to respond to the gospel, the ABCs of salvation. And if you, if you share the gospel with someone, and whatever words you use, uh, they may ask you, how do I become a Christian? And that's what we're going to go through today. So the first thing, as we look at the ABCs of salvation, the first thing is to acknowledge or to admit your sin before God. This is the whole reason why the gospel was necessary, is that we all live with sin in our lives. And I'll tell you right now that this, in all of my experience with evangelism, this is the biggest barrier towards people accepting Christ, is admitting that they have sin in their life. And we live in a culture that really has kind of turned truth into this relative thing, which means that, that morality, right and wrong, is now the kind of the choice of every person, roughly speaking. But it has become this sense of everyone chooses for themselves if they have sin or not. And with that, we have this, this message that's kind of pervasive in, in our culture of everyone is absolutely perfect just the way they are. That's a great, encouraging message to hear. The problem is, it's not biblical. If everyone is perfect just the way they are, then why did Jesus have to come to die? And that's where we read here in Romans 3. Uh, this is, if you read through the book of Romans, it really is like one, you know, the, the one big um, just kind of presentation of everything that we are, everything Jesus did. And it took three chapters to kind of come to this this moment where Paul writes that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. Everyone. I have sinned. You have sinned. We have all sinned in some way in our life. And with that sin, there is a great separation between us and God. We have fallen short of this glorious God in us as sinful people. So there's this gap there that we know exists. And the first part of salvation is admitting that that gap is there. It's, it's this humbling of yourself to say, I am not perfect. I have a problem, and I need help. And the problem with that is it's really hard to admit you have a problem if you are an addict. Right? I don't know if you, in your families and your friends, or maybe even personally, if you've dealt with some kind of addiction, the hardest part is getting them to admit that there is a problem. And once you get there, you see some kind of breakthrough. 
But the Bible says that we are slaves, without Jesus, we are slaves to sin. That there's, there's a bondage there, and in many ways there's, there's an addiction to that sin. There's a sin that entangles us. So everyone without Jesus is kind of an addict to some kind of sin, and they have to come to the point of confessing or acknowledging that they have a problem before they can be better. And that's the good news that's written right after this verse, Romans 3.24. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely, freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. So universally, we all have a problem, but universally, we all have an issue in Jesus, or all have a solution in Jesus, right? We all have a problem, but we all have a solution given to us by Jesus, and it comes by faith in him. That's the first point, is recognizing you have a sin, you have a problem that you cannot fix yourself, and only Jesus can do it for you. And most of the time, people are going to say, yeah, I did some bad things, but I've done a lot of good things in my life. I'm, I'm overall a very good person, and I do all the things on my checklist that make me a good person, so I think I'm fine. I don't need this Jesus help stuff. And I think we lose sight on how big this gap really is between our sinfulness and God's holiness. And so an example I would often use in this situation is, is one that we can kind of tangibly uh, wrap our minds around of, of swimming. And I've, I've heard this used in other cases, but everyone's different in abilities at swimming. Just like everyone is different, some people are pretty good, some people are pretty bad. But how many of you here know how to swim? I'd say most of you, 90%. I saw a couple of shoulder shrugs, which means you're probably not super confident in your own abilities to swim. But, but if I were to say, I want you to bet your life on swimming across the Orono High School swimming pool, just one wall to the other, how many of you feel pretty comfortable doing that with no life jackets, nothing else? You feel like you'd survive that? Yeah, I'd say most of us, all right? How about Lake Independence? I think at its widest stretch is about a mile and a half. Swim across that whole thing, no help, nothing. And if you drown, you die. All right? Nobody's going to save you. How many of you would feel comfortable betting your life on swimming across Lake Independence? Okay, quite a bit less. All right? Now, I raised my hand, but that's not true. I'd give myself at least a 30% chance of dying in that situation. So I, I wouldn't do it. How many of you would be comfortable jumping in at New York City and swimming to London across the Atlantic Ocean with no help? It's about 3,500 miles of swimming. How many of you would bite your life on that, saying, yeah, I think I can make it? Nobody? Really? That's still smaller than the gap that's between our sinfulness and God's holiness. All right? The, the, the gap is just un manageable. It's unfathomable how far apart we are. And that's why God says, I am here to save you. I am here to give you a way from one spot to the other, and it's only through Jesus. If someone says, how do I go to heaven? The first part is admitting your sin before him and saying, I need help. A, admit your sin. Which brings us to B, believe in Jesus. Believe that Jesus is the one who came for you and is the one who is going to save you. Now, Acts 16.31, this comes from a, a portion where Paul and Silas were in prison. If you know the story, they were praying and singing, and at midnight, the, the jail kind of crumbled, and, and all the prisoners could have gone free, but they stayed. 
and the, the jailer who was responsible for them nearly committed suicide because he figured they were gone and he was dead. Um, but they were there. And, and he had this moment of understanding that these were godly men. And the jailer asked them the most important question in the world. What must I do to be saved? How do I go to heaven? How do I become a follower of Jesus? And the answer was so simple. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus. And this is the part where you understand, I know I have a problem, but I believe wholly in Jesus as the solution. There's nothing else I can do to add or subtract what he did for me. Believe in who Jesus is, that he is the Son of God, he is the promised Messiah, the one coming to deliver us from our sins. He's not just a man that existed. He's not just a myth or a legend. He's not just a good teacher or a good example. He is God. And he came to live in the flesh. Believe in who Jesus is. Believe in what Jesus did. That he died on the cross as full payment for your sins. That not only can you be forgiven of them, but you can, be, you can have those sins completely removed from you as far as the east is from the west. That's what Jesus did. And simply just believe in that. Have faith that it is true. That's the important part here is that we're not here to cover up our sins before God. We believe that Jesus will completely remove them from us. Have I ever told you the story of how I'm a gunshot victim? Now, I might have overdramatized that a bit. I'm a BB gunshot victim. I was 10 years old, and I was, uh, had the fortune, fortunate... Um, opportunity to be home every day with my brother and my siblings as my parents worked. It was, it was fun to have that kind of freedom, and they trusted us with a lot. But they laid down some pretty simple rules, and one of them is you are not allowed to use the BB guns while we are away. There's two BB guns we had, kind of the pump ones, the daisy ones. So it's like a, a Garden of Eden thing, like, okay, we can do anything we want except that one thing. So yeah, me and my brother found the BB guns, and we played with them all the time while my parents were away and tried to keep it a secret. And we learned that if you only pump it one time and you kind of stand like 50 feet apart, you can shoot each other and it doesn't hurt that bad. So we'd have BB gun fights. And this went on for a few weeks and it was no problem. Until one time I heard my brother pumping the BB gun like 50 times behind me. I figured he was going to shoot a pop can or something. And all of a sudden I feel this crazy sharp pain in my right buttock. (laughs) And he just just point blank, turns it on me and shoots, and it goes through my sweatpants, right? And it's like, it breaks my skin. It is incredibly painful. Now, I could have talked to my parents about it. I could have fessed up and said, we made this problem, and we made a huge mistake, and we need need some forgiveness for this, and we won't do it again. Uh, Instead, I hid it. I hid it. I made sure that nobody ever saw it. It was hard to walk. It was hard to sit. But I made sure I I would hide that from my parents. But you know what? It was still there. It was still a big bruise, and it still really hurt. But it was still there. And we do the same thing with God a lot of times. It's like, I know I have a problem, but rather than just confessing it to you and asking for help, I'm just going to cover it up and feel better about myself and pretend that nobody else can see it. Belief in Jesus is saying, I know I have an issue, and I know you're the only problem, and you're just completely honest before God. 
God knows you. God knows your sin, but God also has a deep love for you, and he has the power to completely remove that sin from your life. And that's this, really this last part, is, is confessing Jesus as Lord. It's this trust in him. It's this acknowledgement of, of who he is and this daily reliance on him in everything. This comes from Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Okay? It's this confession that, that Jesus is Lord, that he is God. It's a proper understanding of, of who he is and all he's done for you and this daily reliance on him. It's recognizing that, that he is truly the king and we truly are unworthy to be before him. And yet he loves us anyway. And this daily obedience to him, this daily reliance on him. And knowing that the only way to heaven is through a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. Confessing Jesus as Lord is really a daily endeavor. Moment by moment, minute by minute, breath by breath. That your life with Jesus begins now and it continues into eternity. The only way into heaven is through a relationship with Jesus, which comes through acknowledging your problem, believing in him as the solution, and then confessing your daily need and your dependence and your obedience of him. That's one of those ideas that it's, it's simple to understand on the surface. It's harder to articulate. Sometimes it's even hard to live out, but it's the core of who we are and what we believe as Christians, that Jesus is truly the only way to heaven. And so if someone asks you the question, how do I go to heaven, you can just simply say, Jesus, and work out the rest of them as you go. But always point people to Jesus as the one way to heaven. As we go into a time of communion, this is really uh, what we remember in this. And, and I'll just say, you know, you can get so swept up in, in all you can do for Jesus. And, and this is such an amazing opportunity to share his gospel with others that sometimes you can forget what Jesus did for you. And that's really all that matters. And that's what communion is, is this time to remember all Jesus has done for you. We know that this is the utmost of his love in 1 John 4, that, that this is how God showed his love among us, among sinners, is that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is not love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Communion is a time that Jesus instructed us to have, that we would remember all that he's done for us and the work that truly matters the most, the work that he did on the cross to provide a way for the forgiveness and the payment for our sins. This is a time to focus on God. So if you're new here at Maple Plank Community Church, and just a, there's a few overarching things about communion and, and how we do it here. We do it monthly, uh, so we do it somewhat regularly. And this is really for anyone who professes faith in Jesus. So if you're a newcomer here, or you've been new to our church, you don't have to go through a special class or be a member. Anyone who professes faith in Jesus is to share in this moment. We also believe that the bread and the cup are simply symbolic of Jesus and his body and his blood. 
And it's a, a tool to help us remember what he did. But this is also an experience that really leads us to reflect. To, that, that's the point, is that we kind of slow down and we take a, take a pause from all the busy things of life and we have this specific moment to reflect and remember on, on who he is and what he did and, and who we are before him because of that. So we always take a few moments of silence to self-reflect before we distribute the bread and uh, the, the cup that we'll partake of together. But this is a moment just between you and God, just to kind of empty out your heart before him. Maybe there's some kind of thing in your life that you need help with that you simply just need to confess that before God and ask him for help and for forgiveness. Maybe it's a time to express your thanksgiving and your gratitude to God for all he's doing in your life. Maybe it's a, a time to ask for help for yourself or for others or relationships that you're in. Maybe it's just a time for you to really reflect and consider what Jesus did for you on the cross. But whatever you use this time for, this is a time for you to reflect in a silent moment before God. So let's take that moment together, and I'll close this out in prayer before we pass the bread and the cup together. Lord, in this time of quietness and of self-reflection before you, we, we stand before you, a holy God, a loving God, a graceful God, a merciful God, and know that you know each and every one of us very deeply. You, you know every part about us. You know our hearts deeply better than any other person in this world. You know our motives. You know our desires. God, you know us deeply. And so with that, God, we just come before you and we just want to empty ourselves, all the things we've been holding on to, uh, the things that we are upset about, the things that we are ashamed about. God, we just want to lay them before you at the foot of your cross and just ask you for help in the areas that we need help. We confess these sins and we ask you for forgiveness. But God, we thank you that through all of that, you are faithful and you are just to forgive us of any sin that we confess before you. So God, I pray that, that we would have confidence in that, that there's always a new start, there's, there's new hope in you in any situation in life. But God, in all of us, we know that it's not dependent on our works, on our attitudes, or our mental states. This is all dependent upon what you did on the cross, that it is one sacrifice that is, that is uh, able to forgive sins throughout all of history. God, everything that's ever happened, is just one sacrifice is needed to forgive us of our sins and to completely remove them from us. So God, we, we trust in that and we're so thankful in, in what you've done and we glorify you for that. So in this time, as we share communion and, and we reflect and remember what you did on the cross for us, God, it's, it's humbling and sometimes it's emotional, but God, may there be a sense of joy from all of us and this hope that is found only in you as we take this communion together. But I, I pray for anyone here, I, I sense that there's, there's some here who have had a reluctancy in their life, or maybe they've had a time of straying away from you, I, I pray for them right now, that they would feel this draw to come back to you, that your Holy Spirit would call them in, that they would simply humble themselves before you, and they'd just cry at the foot of your cross for forgiveness and for help and for hope. God, because it's found nowhere else in this world. So anyone in that position who, who has not placed their faith in you, has not fully surrendered to you, I, I God, I just pray that they do what we just talked about. 
that they just acknowledge their sin and their shortcomings before you, O holy God, but believe that you loved us so deeply that you sent your son to die for us because you desire that relationship with us. They believe in your son, they'd have faith in all of you did, and that they confess you as Lord, that you truly are king of all things, but you are especially king of our lives, and that they'd, they'd have that trust and a dependence and that obedience in you and repentance from what they know is wrong and in a turning towards you in all things. So anyone who makes that commitment in their heart, in whatever words and whatever way they do that, we, we have the confidence that they can be called a child of God both now and forever. So God, in this time, as we, we take this bread and take this cup, help us be mindful of all you've done for us, that we can glorify you in this just heart of gratitude and thankfulness that you love us so deeply. We pray this now in Jesus' name.